0: From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. He's an obstacle course endurance athlete. He's a lacrosse coach. He was a Paralympic ski racer. And at 15, he had to have his leg removed after a cancerous tumor was discovered. With me in the HealthLink on Air studio today is Dan Kosick with his inspiring story of cancer survival. Thank you so much for being willing to talk with me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So tell us about how you learned. You had a cancerous tumor in your leg. That this was high school time, right?
1: Yeah, I think it was something I had since birth. They they figured out that uh, it's probably a birth defect that I lived with for a while. Um, I remember learning how to ride a bike and getting a zinging sensation up my down my leg when I would hit my ankle in just the right spot. I always thought it was like an extra funny bone um but when i started growing quite a bit and as the young teen uh the pain started hanging around a little bit longer and keeping me up at night so eventually my parents you know took me to the doctors to get more tests done and all the initial testing they couldn't really figure out anything was wrong and then eventually we had an mri done and discovered there was some kind of growth on my nerve and so a biopsy was done and that biopsy originally um, came back as everything was uh, benign and no cancer. So Uh, the initial decision was to leave the tumor in uh, and just sort of deal with the discomfort because there was a potential of a lot of nerve damage if I had the tumor removed. Uh, But a year had passed, I was playing high school football, and the pain was getting worse. And I decided that I wanted to have the tumor removed and possibly, you know, go through the consequences of having nerve damage. Uh, The surgery was done up here in Syracuse, we, uh, they removed the tumor, and actually there was no nerve damage. But on the flip, the testing came back that there was partial malignancy to the tumor. And that's wow. when everything changed.
0: So it re- in hindsight, it's fortunate you did have it removed yes. when you did. Yep. So, now you said up here in Syracuse, we should tell listeners you're from Endicott,
1: which yes. is south of... Yes, the Binghamton area. Yep. All
0: right. Now, you led sort of an active life from childhood, right? Yes. You were involved in a lot of... Tell us about what um, sports you were in.
1: As a child, I was fairly average but highly involved in sports my my dad was an athlete so it was you know playing Wee football little league baseball youth lacrosse um swam on the swim team but i was not an exceptional athlete i didn't you know wasn't the star captain or anything on any team i just enjoyed playing sports uh, and that's what i enjoyed doing and when this all sort of started to happen um i think my biggest concerns at 15 you don't really have those deep thoughts of cancer and death you really think about like um, am I going to drive? Am I going to get a girlfriend? Uh, can I play sports? Can I run? Sure. You know, those are the thoughts that I was thinking. And so one of the big thoughts was, can I play sports again? And at that time I wanted to play lacrosse again, cause I was in high school and that was a sport that I was enjoying and I was a goalie before I lost my leg. So I was like, if there was any, position I could come back to, I think it would be goalie after having to have my leg amputated. Cause I wasn't going to have to get any kind of super speed up and down the field. I just had to be able to maneuver in the crease. So that was my main focus at that time.
0: So how do you, do you remember how your parents absorbed the news? How how did they deal with this? Oh
1: man, I I think about this quite a bit because I'm a, a father now, and I honestly don't ever really remember them losing it. You know, like and, and they were always strong around me. Uh, they were very supportive. I never um, heard any negativity. I never had them hear them say anything like they were worried about. Like it was always if you want to do it, especially after the amputation, um, there was like learning how to ski and stuff. They were like, yeah, let's go, you know, go ahead. You go try. Um, as a father now, like, I don't know how they did it because I can't imagine going through that if my kids were going through that. And there was just, you know, a few times that of course, as a family, it was tough and difficult and we had to, you know, come together. Like the day I had to have my amputation. I just remember all of us being in the hospital and getting wheeled away and just being like this is it. I know I'm going to lose my leg and that was an emotional day. Um but besides that, you know, they were strong. They were they were awesome and I couldn't ask for better parents for sure.
0: So how soon after you had the um, tumor removed and biopsied where, did you was this a separate hospital?
1: No. Stay um when they discovered that the tumor had turned cancerous, they sent me to Sloan to, um, it was a pretty rare diagnosis of a a tumor called the Triton tumor. And Sloan Kettering is, uh, came up with the plan of how we were going to attack this. And it was pretty simple. It was, we were going to amputate the leg, um, and prevent it from spreading and then go through about six months of chemotherapy to make sure that there was no other cells floating around. And, uh, they sent that sort of back to Syracuse here. It's the University Hospital. And at the time, it was the 5C unit where the, um, the Children's Pediatric Oncology mm-hmm. Unit. And my doctor, Dr. Sadowitz at the time, uh, took that info and we just followed through with it. And so I had my amputation done here at University Hospital in Syracuse. And I went through all my chemo up here. Um, the floor, I think, was in Krauss where I received all my chemo.
0: So some people might have assumed their athletic careers would be over if they lost a leg but you were pretty adamant that athletics was part of who you are and it sounds like you had supportive parents mm-hmm. also you went back to swimming lacrosse skiing um, things how, how did you how did you do all that how did you manage it
1: originally i went back to swimming because i knew it was a a great activity to get back into shape after i finished chemo and we had a small swim team and i was comfortable around those guys so i asked my swim coach if i could just practice with the swim team not even compete with them and he let me and um things actually got better my my times actually got faster than when i had two legs because i was very aware of who i was now and i knew a lot of eyes around me and i just worked extra hard you know like i felt like i had something to prove so um my athletic abilities started to come out and I realized like I had potential to actually be a competitive athlete. Now, um, lacrosse, I wanted to play goalie again. It took a good year or more to figure out how to maneuver, um, on the field and with the stick and playing around. And I was very competitive. I was on a 18 and two varsity team my senior year. Um, we were ranked in the state, and in the meantime, I found out about an adaptive ski program at Greek Peak down the road and went there to learn how to ski and actually fell in love with skiing and people there, uh, the ski racers that I call them the 10-toed freaks, um, they, <laughs> they saw that I had a passion for skiing and they said that there was actually disabled ski racing. So then that's when I started to pursue what disabled ski racing was all about and met some coaches from the West um, out in Colorado and they introduced that all to me. And I came up with a goal or a plan that I wanted to make the U.S. disabled ski team by the year 2002 and go to Salt Lake City Paralympics. And that was my goal for the next about seven, eight years. And it actually progressed fairly quickly. And I was able to make the team sooner than I expected and uh, compete in the 1998 Nagano-Japan Paralympics also.
0: Wow. Well, neat. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. Did you find it difficult or did you have help um, choosing a prosthetic that would work With an active, a super active lifestyle.
1: Yeah, I had a physical therapist who was also an amputee down near where I lived, and she had a passion to really want to help me out and not just help me out, but she wanted to learn more about. So if there's others that came along that had this kind of desire to learn how to run and everything else. So she actually found a physical therapist down towards the city that was helping amputees run. At that time, there wasn't really anybody in my area that could help me get to the level I wanted to. So she would actually drive me down to the city, and we would go together, and meet with another physical therapist. And when I was down there, I met with a prosthetist um, that was working with the amputees, and he was making adjustments to legs, and he was looking at my leg, and there was nothing wrong with my leg, but there was things that people up here just really wouldn't understand, so eventually I decided I was going to get my legs made down near the city in Long Island because they had just more knowledge and more experience with working with young athletic people, and I've been there now for 25 years.
0: This is Upstate's HealthLink air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dan Kosick, a childhood survivor of a cancerous bone tumor who's gone on to multiple athletic achievements. Um, now, you're a longtime lacrosse coach now, you, right? You evolved <laughs> yeah. from playing to now coaching. Um,
1: I had the passion of playing and uh, just I stuck with it. And I ended up coaching boys for a while just because I enjoyed being around the sport. Um, never really comp- uh, coached at a high level. It was mostly uh, middle school or JV level. Uh, And then eventually my daughter became old enough to start playing and uh, they needed some help in the youth program So I decided to transition from boys lacrosse to girls lacrosse about five years ago to help with the youth program and girls down where I live Is uh,
0: is that a career that you dreamed of in childhood (laughs) that you wanted to grow up and become a coach or no?
1: It's it's definitely just a hobby on the side that I enjoy doing Um, I'm a school social worker in a middle school. So I have the flexibility to be able to um, you know, have that schedule of school when I can leave school at the end of the day and go help the kids after school.
0: Well, we plan to include a link on the healthlinkonair.org website. Um, but I want to ask you about the video advertisement for Merrill that's out there that's just beautiful um, video photography that was put together. It's called I Train So I Can. So, Mm -hmm. you know, people, if they Google that, I train so I can, and Merrill, M-E-R-R-E-L-L, they should be able to find it. Um, But it was just stunning. And I wanted to talk to you about how that came
1: about. Well, Merrill's a phenomenal company that um, wants to get people outside. And I was in obstacle course racing, pretty hardcore at the time, doing uh, multiple events, you know, throughout the year. And Merrill was a company that wasn't directly involved at the time with an organization called Tough Mudder and they were, they saw my participation and supported me with some product and stuff like that for a while while I was participating in Tough Mudder events and I eventually called them to say thank you but also let them know that I was sort of changing my focus last year and I wasn't going to be competing at the same level because I was going to go climb a mountain in Ecuador with a bunch of amputees and... I was sort of thinking that was going to be the end of our relationship. And they were like, this is amazing. This is exactly what Merrill's about is getting people outside, especially people that don't normally you would think to be outside. Um, So that's when they said, can we follow who you are and what you're doing in your training and then create some kind of video that goes along with it and hopefully have a successful climb at the end with uh, reaching a uh, 20,000 foot summit on a volcano called Cotopaxi in Ecuador. And that's where the video came from.
0: Wow. So they were with you along the way for a lot of that. Yes. What is your fitness regimen like? You were training for that specifically, but you you probably have a fitness regimen just in general, right?
1: Yeah. I um, (laughs) am. I am. I like to spread it out. Um, I swim three days a week. I I love swimming still. Uh, I run twice a week. I do specific obstacle course training, which focuses on like grip training and that kind of stuff at least once a week and then strength and endurance training another two, three days a week. So some days I actually work out twice a day. Um, sometimes before work and after work. And then other days, you know, it's a, a lighter sort of training day, but I feel like it's a part of who I am. And if it's not there, I, I don't feel the same. So some days it almost feels like I just need it just to wake up.
0: Now, since you were found to have um, cancer as a teenager, you continue to be followed every year medically to uh, by an oncologist, right? Yes. Um, do you ever, I mean, do you, how do you deal with, I don't know, the, the lingering worry? Or do you have worry that the cancer might come back?
1: I don't really think about it a lot. Um, I have had some injuries and now that I'm getting older um, due to my athletics. And once in a while, I wonder if this is related or anything to something. But uh, usually I, we quickly realize like this is, you know, just a typical injury that's associated with the activities I'm doing. But um, I don't really think about it too much until I come up here because uh, most of the doctors I've talked to, would say if I was to get cancer again, it would probably have nothing to do with the cancer that I had in the past now that I'm 26 years cancer free. Um, The bigger concerns that I have right now are what are the long term side effects on my heart and other parts of my body because of the chemo that I was on after um, the amputation and being so young on that chemo. But you lead it sounds
0: like a very healthy lifestyle to help maybe counteract. Some yes risk yes it, it
1: helps motivate me also between having my own children that I want to be an active father with and knowing that I had this history um it really does help keep me going to through my activities
0: do you feel like an inspiration because you look at that Merrill advertisement and it's so inspiring
1: I hear that a lot and and uh and it's hard. I, it's taken a while to embrace that. But I, I have. And I like to just respond usually with saying it motivates me knowing that I'm inspiring to others. You know, I, I think a lot of people cut themselves short. I think if other people were in my shoes, they, you know, especially at 15, they would continue on and do the things that they love to do um, and not just quit. But it's, you know, you don't know it until you're there. And that's just the choice I did. And I'm, I'm glad I did it. And I, you know, I don't think I'm superhuman in any way, for sure, <laughs> but it's nice to hear.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. My guest has been pediatric cancer survivor Dan Kosick of Endicott, New York. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.